This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. It is indeed NBA Sound System Live. I am Carlin Gay. He is Scott Rafferty. We have taken a small break, and it feels like uh, we really didn't get much of a break, Scott. The Lakers won the NBA championship. We decided to go into full offseason mode here on NBA Sound System. We are now back, and it feels like we're in a whirlwind with a bunch of trades happening right at the deadline or right at the beginning, the start mark, whenever that was on uh, Monday. And uh, here we are on the eve of the NBA draft with plenty to talk about. Free agency coming up later. We'll discuss that. But we have some major moves around the league that should have impact on the way the season might play out, specifically in Milwaukee. So let us start there. The Milwaukee Bucks have gone all in on Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, and, and trying to keep him happy. He has not yet, at the time of recording this, agreed to sign the Supermax and extend in Milwaukee. He is still set to become a free agent next summer. So for those teams that are hoping those teams that are praying that he does do that and gives them a shot at uh, potentially snagging Giannis away, that's still in play. But the Bucks have put their front foot forward and they said, you know what, we're going to make Giannis happy here. They make the big trade with New Orleans Pelicans for Drew Holiday, giving up a lot to get him and then a smaller one in Bogdan Bogdanovich. Scott, I'll start with the Drew Holiday trade first. Your initial thoughts when you saw that come across your, 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 your Twitter timeline. It was really funny because I feel like when it first came out, it was Eric Bledsoe and George Hill plus draft picks for Drew Holiday. Um, and myself and everyone else that I was following on Twitter was super excited about the trade. Um, but it kind of hinged on what those draft picks were going to be. So it was just funny to see within about five minutes, people go from saying, you know, this is an absolute steal for the Bucks to, well, wait a second. Did they, they basically just gave up their entire future um, for, for a one-time All-Star who is you know, entering his mid-30s and could potentially uh, become a unrestricted free agent next offseason because he has a player option in his contract for uh, 21-22. So on one, on, on one hand, they did give up a ton to get Drew Holiday. And I, I love Drew Holiday. He, he's a great player. He's been, I think, really underrated for a large portion of his career. Um, but to kind of give up the amount of picks that they did, that's sort of the like the draft compensation you'd, you'd expect to see a team give, give up for a superstar. Um, again, not, not necessarily a one-time All-Star who is, I think, like seven years removed from that All-Star appearance. With all that in mind, though, I don't know if they could have got someone better than Drew Holiday this offseason. Um, the easy answer is Chris Paul, but they would have had to basically gut their depth just to match his salary for next season. So I think... That's one side of it. And then the other is, I think he's just going to fit in so well next to Giannis and Chris Middleton. Um, Because first of all, he is one of the best defenders at the guard position. So is Eric Bledsoe. But I I think Drew Holiday gives him a little bit more versatility on the defensive end. Um, He he can match up better with the the primary scoring option on the opposing team better. Like We've seen him defend guys like Kevin Durant. Um, LeBron James, you know, not not even just guys at his position. So I think that's going to lift their ceiling in that regard. Um, and I also just think offensively, he's he's a big upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. 
he's not a lights out shooter, um, but he's a, a significantly better three point shooter than Eric Bledsoe was, and he's also just a better scorer and uh, a better decision maker. So I think having that guy as you know your your second or third option, depending on how you view him and Chris Middleton, I, I do think him and Bogdanovich, the the combination of them, even if they did give up a lot to get both of them, I think the two of them do raise their ceiling quite a bit on both ends of the court. Yeah, so the, so the Bucks gave up Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and draft compensation, which you said. That kind of says to uh, the rest of the league that, hey, we're all in and winning it in either this year or the year after. You mentioned that uh, Drew Holiday is, uh, has a player option for uh, the season after 2020-2021. I'm assuming he'll take that. It's a lot of money to leave on the table. Um, but who knows? You know, Different things happen, and, and if he's not happy in Milwaukee this season – that could be a real, uh, you know, a, a real thing that happens with 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 Holiday kind of taking that uh, that player option away and, and and becoming a free agent just after one season. But I I have been one of the most you know the biggest detractors of Eric Bledsoe. Uh, I think <laughs> that you speak to Scott on a daily basis. I have long said that the Bucks will not win an NBA champion with Eric yep. Bledsoe championship with Eric Bledsoe as their starting point guard. He's no longer there. But I will say this: he he is a great defender uh, amongst guards. You know, he, this is a guy that made all NBA, all, all defense rather uh, as as a defender. He has gotten that reputation as a as a great defender, um, and he's been good for them in the regular season when he was healthy. The problem seems to lie in the playoffs, and I think with Drew Holiday now, you don't have to worry about that much anymore. Uh, the, the stresses and the pressure of being in the postseason, we've seen Drew Holiday really take over an entire series, uh, you know, alongside Anthony Davis at times. And now he's not even going to be asked to do all of that. He, he he's just going to have to play his game, and his game is enough, good enough. He's a borderline All Star uh, on his best day. His his game is good enough to be the second best player on the team. And now he's just being asked to be the third and maybe even fourth best player on the mm-hmm. team. And that is, uh, you know, I, I know Milwaukee gave up a lot to get him and also really gutted their their depth, uh, which really helped them in the regular season. But this is a move for championships. This is a playoff type move. I don't think they'll have the, the, the 60 win regular season or the on pace for 60 wins that we've seen in, in the last two seasons. They may even finish, you know, second or third seed, depending on how they decide to, to really pace through the regular season. But once we get into the playoffs, this team is a better team suited for a long postseason run. And you wrote about it on NBA.com. Let's get to the Bogdan Bogdanovich piece of it. Uh, three ways that Bogdan Bogdanovich really helps the Milwaukee Bucks. What makes him special? You can find that, of course, at NBA.com. Scott wrote it. What what makes him special and what makes him the difference maker that could take them over the top? Yeah, there, there was uh, three things that kind of stood out to me with that that trade. The first is that he's just a really good shooter. Um, you know, I, I already spoke about Drew Holiday kind of being an upgrade over Eric Bledsoe in that regard. But like the Bucks did also give up George Hill, who uh, he got some votes for Sixth Man of the Year last year. He also led the NBA in three-point percentage. Um, this is a guy who can play both guard positions and really space the floor, which you need next to Giannis, who is the most dominant paint scorer in the league. Um, and Bogdanovich is a, is a proven shooter. Um, he's I think he's hovered around 40% on catch-and-shoot threes um, in each of his three seasons in the NBA. He's a guy who can kind of score off, score off of screens. So I think that alone makes him, you know, a pretty natural fit next to Giannis and Chris Middleton. But he's also improved as a uh, a scorer in the pick and roll. He is a guy who can go get you a bucket. 
And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how much or how many opportunities he gets in Milwaukee because, like you're saying, he, he could be the third option some nights. He could be the fourth option. Um, but, but he is a guy who has improved as a pick-and-roll scorer. And it's going to be quite a luxury for the Bucks to be able to have, you know, either Bogdanovich, Drew Holiday, Middleton, or Giannis on the court for basically every single minute of a game if they want to. Um, and they are four guys who should be able to complement each other well enough to kind of close games together. The last thing for me is, you know, he, he, he is coming off of his third season in the NBA, but this guy is, he's not, you know, your normal player heading into their fourth season. I think he's, he's 27 years old, I think it is. He's, either way, he's in his late 20s. He's had a career overseas. Um, he's won championships overseas. He has a ton of accolades. He's also proven to be a guy who's not going to shy away from the big moments. Um, you know, the, the Kings did not make the playoffs one season he was in Sacramento, but he still hit at least three game winners that I went back and found um, when I was writing that piece. Um, and I think, you know, for the Bucks, all the focus has been on their offense and how it kind of crumbles in the half court in the playoffs. But they were miserable in the clutch the last two postseasons. Um, I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I remember writing that it was something like they were outscored by. Um, 10 points per 100 possessions a couple years ago in the clutch, and it was like 22 points per 100 possessions last postseason. And obviously those are small sample sizes, but it does kind of match up with what you were seeing when things would just gum up at the end of games and they wouldn't be able to kind of get into their normal offense. So I think, you know, adding another guy who, again, can space the floor as a three-point shooter um, and someone who you can kind of put the ball in their hands and has a, a, a reputation of hitting big shots and not shying away from those moments, I think he ticks all the boxes that you'd want in a player like that on this team. Yeah, you're right about that. He's tw- uh, Two seasons ago in the postseason, uh, 10.4 points per 100 possessions in 2019 and 23.6 points per 100 possessions in 2020. Um, and, and that They were scored in the clutch by that much, struggled in the clutch. And that is not a good look for a team that's looking to take the next step. And some of that had to do with the fact that Giannis is, 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 uh, is, a, is a superstar. And I've said it on this show. He's a superstar that you can kind of game plan and guard uh, – easier because he doesn't have that strong jump shot and that strong perimeter game you could kind of build a wall in front of him and neutralize him a little bit now with these two players on the floor that are going to be next to him uh with holiday and bogdanovich they're great catch and shoot uh you know shooters you have middleton there lopez is all the uh, another option you can no longer kind of cheat off of Giannis and if you do you're going to pay the price because you have multiple you know three players on the floor now uh, that that are going to be able to put the ball on the floor and also be able to shoot from long range when you talk about Bogdanovich's uh, you know confidence that's the one thing that sticks out to me about him and that really makes this trade worthwhile for the Milwaukee Bucks of course, doing some of the FIBA you know games that I'm, I'm able to do, I'm able to see some of these NBA players in their you know uh, for their country and outside of the NBA walls. Bogdan Bogdanovich walks around like he is LeBron James. Uh, you know, he he walks around and has that swagger that he can go toe to toe with some of the best in the league. And whether or not he you know obviously he's not viewed that way, and he, you know he shouldn't be, but. The bottom line is he has that inner confidence and he will not lack that. So if it comes down to a you know final moment and there's a big shot on the line, he's thinking, I can take this shot. I don't need to defer to Giannis. I don't need to defer to Middleton or Drew Holiday. I can win this for us. And I think the Bucks were kind of missing that. Uh, they were kind of always looking at Giannis to be the guy and then, you know, hey, we're here if you need it. Whereas Bogdanovich is going to say, Giannis, get out of my way. I, I, I could lead us to the promised land. And, uh, you know, sometimes that hurts teams, 
But I think for this specific Milwaukee Bucks roster, it will totally help them. And this really makes them scary for the rest of the Eastern Conference, in my opinion. They, Like I said, their depth is slashed, but that's fine because when they get to the postseason, the bench should shorten anyway, and you play your five best guys, and they have a five-man unit right now that could compete with some of the best in the NBA. Uh, speaking of the East, you look around the Eastern Conference, they, there was one team that was nowhere near the top of it a season ago, but they're adding uh, two players that were on their roster already. Uh, that are coming back from injury in the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving will be back from injury. We have no idea how Kevin Durant's going to look, right? We, we we have no clue how he's going to look. We haven't seen him play basketball in a long time. Kyrie Irving has come back from injury multiple times. We know kind of what we're going to get with Kyrie Irving, but we have no clue if Kevin Durant's going to get back to being the 1A and 1B uh, type of player in the league when he the way he was when he left. But assuming he is, are the you know the, the the Brooklyn Nets still in your mind able to now compete with the Milwaukee Bucks or have the Bucks kind of separated themselves from the rest of the pack? No matter how Kevin Durant looks when he returns. I mean, I, Kevin Durant was arguably the best player in the league before he got injured, and if he wasn't the best, he was the second best. So I think anytime you have a player like that, um, plus a supremely uh, gifted offensive player in Kyrie Irving, you're going to have a chance to win regardless of you know the pieces that are around them, and obviously they have to fit. But I think, you know, that team absolutely has the star power to win a championship um, if they're both healthy and they can kind of make it work. The fascinating thing about them is, you know, the rumors are out there that they're interested or James Harden wants to come to Brooklyn and pair up um, with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And it's it's an ongoing thing. Um, it doesn't it, it remains to be seen if that's something that's going to be settled soon or if it's going to kind of carry on into the season or anything like that. Um, but if they were to add Harden, that just completely changes the makeup of this team. Um, and it could go either direction. I wrote about it the other day. There's reason to believe that, you know, the three of them together could absolutely lead the Nets to a championship. Um, and there's also plenty of reason to believe that it would just combust um, because it's too much of a good thing. So it's going to be fascinating to see what the Nets do because, like you were saying, you know, they're kind of in a position already where they should be one of the top teams in the in the Eastern Conference. Um, they should absolutely be able to compete for a championship with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant if they can kind of get back to the players they were before their injury. But, you know, with an opportunity to add a top five player, perennial MVP candidate in James Harden, um, it'll, be, it'll be fascinating to see kind of how they navigate that. Yeah, that's the rumor. Everyone is talking about it right now. Reportedly, James Harden is unhappy in Houston. He is looking to find his way to Brooklyn. Uh, there are also rumors that Philadelphia might be a landing spot for him. But most people are talking about James Harden uh, you know, finding his way to Brooklyn to play with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Um, do you see that happening, A? And then, B, do you feel like the Nets now have to make that move to make sure that they can compete with the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference? It seems, I mean, it, the fact to me it seems a little unrealistic. Like when I first heard this rumor, but when you have guys like Adrian Wojnarowski reporting on it, it does make you think that this is a very strong possibility. Um, and obviously over the last couple of days, it's come out that Harden is kind of trying to push for a trade to Brooklyn. Although, like you said, Philadelphia is also up on his list. I think if you're the Rockets, there isn't a huge sense of urgency here because even if Harden were to, for example, sit out the start of the season because he wants a trade, his trade value is not going anywhere. As I said, he's a perennial MVP candidate. He's one of the greatest scorers in NBA history. If and when he becomes available, every team in the league will want to try and make a move for him. 
He also has two more years on his contract, plus a player option in 22-23. So the Rockets have some time to figure this out if they really want to. Um, for the Nets, I do think there is a little bit of urgency because a big part of this is that you just have no idea how things are going to play out. Um, right now, they kind of look like they're the front runners in the, these kind of like hardened sweepstakes. But what happens if the 76 is all of a sudden like, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll trade Ben Simmons. You know, like he, he's available if you want him. Suddenly, maybe they're the team that the Rockets want to deal with and suddenly the Nets are off the table. Um, and also, you know, when you're talking about guys like Karis LeVette being the centerpiece of a potential deal for Harden, He's had injury history in the past, um, and you know his 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 value is probably as high as it's going to get. Um, maybe not as high as it's going to get, but it's it's pretty high right now considering the way that he finished last season. Um, so I think right now there is sort of a sense of urgency for the Nets to get this done. Definitely more than it is for the Rockets, and I don't know. I, I still feel like that as long as Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are healthy, like they could beat the Bucks in a series. I think. Um, obviously, it's easy to say that without having seen them because there are so many things that could go wrong between them. Um, you know, Kyrie Irving has this reputation of being a ball stopper. Kevin Durant's coming off a really serious injury, um, an injury that has derailed a number of NBA careers in the past. And I think I, I'm pretty confident that he's going to bounce back well from here just, just because of the way he plays and the kind of player that he is. But there's just so many moving pieces there that, you know, it's easy to see themselves talking into making a move for Harden um, just because it takes a lot, a lot of that risk out in terms of, you know, if KD does have to miss some time while he's rehabbing or whatever, you have a guy in Harden who's proven that he's basically a top five offense onto himself and can kind of carry a team. And the same thing goes for Kyrie Irving. Um, so I, I keep going back and forth on this on this idea, honestly. Um, and that's kind of why I wrote a piece about <laughs> why it could work and why it couldn't work. Because anytime you ask me, I might just give you one of those answers. I feel pretty optimistic about it sometime and pessimistic about others. Um, just because there's so many different ways for it to go. But right. when you talk about the possibility of it, I mean, I, I would I would love to see it happen just because it would be, it'd be fascinating. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I would love to see it happen. I, I know there's a lot of detractors on whether or not it will fit offensively. Listen, these guys are NBA players. They have NBA coaching staffs. That's what these guys get. You know, they get paid to play basketball, and the coaching staff gets paid to figure things out. Let them do that. Let them be professionals. Let them figure it out. Make the move if it's if it's if it's there. If it's there for Brooklyn, make the move. Go all in, and uh, you know, try and win yourself a championship. That's uh, that's what the name of the game is all about. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I really am. I, I, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I think that. You know, Houston is prepared to wait this thing out a little bit, and, and and I don't know if Brooklyn, like you said, they can win with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So maybe there's not a lot of pressure on their end to, to try and make this move. But I think if it's there, both teams should try to make that move. Houston probably less willing to do that, seeing as the rebuilding is not fun. Uh, but you know, I, I would love to see it as a, a fan. Transfer window is uh, is closed over in football land in uh, soccer, so uh, they won't be having the discussions that we have right now in terms of player movement. However, there's still plenty to discuss, and the fellas over at Sound System FC have you covered. La Liga, plenty to talk about there. Real Madrid and their uh, ongoing, I guess, you know, football saga or issues or whatever you want to call it. It's all happening there, and then of course. Liga MX heading to the postseason. That's coming up, and the guys over at Sound System FC will be talking about it. If you haven't subscribed, do it right now. Search Sound System FC wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe, and while you're there, might as well wait, rate, and review. Don't even listen to it. Take my advice. Great show. 
keeps you up to date with football all over the world. Sound System FC, rate, review, subscribe today. Speaking of more trades, Russell Westbrook also reportedly made a trade demand. He wants out of Houston, but there are less suitors for a man uh, like Russell Westbrook, and he's a lot harder of a fit uh, to just kind of place on teams. He's not plug and play. He comes with uh, a lot of basketball baggage, so to speak. And uh, that being said, um, there are some places that make sense for him. Where do you think he lands if you had the crystal ball in front of you? I think the the three teams that make sense to me are the New York Knicks, the Chicago Bulls, and the Charlotte Hornets. And, and those teams have been reported, at least the Hornets and the Knicks have had reported interest in trading for, for Westbrook. How much they're willing to give up, that's probably going to be the sticking point. Um, but it, it does kind of seem like the Hornets are in the lead there. And the reason the, the, the reason that all three of those teams make sense is because they really wouldn't have to give up anything significant to get Westbrook. Um, take the Hornets, for example. They could package together, like I think it's like Cody Zeller and Nicholas Batum, and that matches Westbrook's salary for next season. For the Chicago Bulls, it's Otto Porter, who just picked up his player option, plus something like Thaddeus Young. And the Knicks also can couple together three or four players who you know aren't, aren't much aren't in their future plans really to match Westbrook's salary. Obviously, you know there's not a ton of interest in that for the for the Rockets because they're not really getting a positive asset in return, um, which is why this is going to be interesting to see what kind of happens and how this plays out with Westbrook. But I do think you know those are the three teams that stand out the most because there's just not a ton of teams out there who, quite frankly, need a player like him who you know is ball dominant as good as he is and I, I do think kind of this report that he wants out of Houston it does kind of seem like people are downplaying how good Westbrook still is as a basketball player um, but he certainly is a compl- complicated player to build around um, and it's just kind of hard to see him it, he almost he's at his best when he is the number one option but I think when he is your number one option it puts quite a quite a hard ceiling on the potential of your team and then because he's not he's one of the worst high volume three point shooters in NBA history. It's really hard for him to be a number two or number three option on a really good team. Um, so that's kind of the difficult part with kind of putting together a trade for Westbrook, uh, which is why I can see my, like the, the team, like the Hornets talking themselves into him because one, again, they wouldn't have to give up a ton of assets to get him potentially. And two, even though he's not going to turn them into a title contender, I, I do think there's a good chance that he would turn a team like the Hornets into a playoff team um, whether it's a seventh or eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. And to those kind of teams, I do think there is a lot of value in that. Um, more value than I think the casual fan will, will give credence to. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, the, the casual fan. And also, to, to a certain extent, we in the media kind of downplay yeah. how important and valuable making the playoffs year in, year out is. Uh, it, it's not fun missing out on the playoffs. It's not fun constantly being in the lottery. Uh, and, and, and kind of losing is a you know a bad habit that is really tough to kick and can really kind of you know stunt the growth of players on your team. It it, it, it forces you know change within the organization uh, quicker than it probably should happen. Doesn't allow coaches or GMs really to kind of see their plans follow through when you're constantly losing. It, it, it really does hamstring uh, an organization. And the Hornets, granted, they, they have made the playoffs in recent memory, but they are trending uh, towards that pit of you know purgatory where you're constantly in the lottery because they don't have a star. And th- there's not one on the way via free agency and definitely not in this NBA draft unless something shocks us. Uh, so 
trading for Russell Westbrook kind of changes the mentality of the team, the city, and also uh, you know getting them back into the postseason, back to relevance in, in the NBA. Uh, because I, I think you know if you, you ask anyone outside of you know North Carolina. Even in within North Carolina, I, I don't think many people are too excited about what the Hornets mm-hmm. have currently, and that's coming off a season where Devonte Graham uh, had whispers of potentially being an All Star, and definitely should have been in the conversation of most improved player in the NBA uh, in season's end. But if he was on a team that maybe was a little bit more in the spotlight, and maybe he'd get a little bit more love, those type of things kind of matter. And the only way to get some love is you know making the postseason. Uh, and, and the Hornets probably won't make it this season unless they make some drastic changes in the offseason. And that goes for the Knicks, too. I mean, the Knicks are in New York, so they still kind of, uh, you know, get away with being in New York. But they have been, uh, I mean, awful for the last decade, really, um, since, our, since, you know, Amari and, 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 uh, and Melo were there. And that's, uh, you know, getting very distant in the rearview mirror. I wrote these topics down, Scott, and one popped into my head that we completely missed, and you didn't even bring it. You know, you didn't even push back on it. How could we not talk about Chris Paul going to Phoenix? Speaking of teams that haven't made the playoffs in a long time, you know, Chris Paul ends up going to Phoenix uh, from OKC. OKC obviously clearly in rebuild mode. Phoenix went eight and zero in the bubble, and they feel like they were a piece away to you know break that playoff drought. They have Devin Booker there. They have Aiton, and they were looking for a leader. Not to say that they didn't have a point guard because they had one Rubio, but a, a true leader and one of the uh, you know all-time great point guards to help them go over the top. They get Chris Paul. He's there now, and his main mission is to break that playoff drought. What does this trade mean for Phoenix? The reason I didn't push back on this, by the way, is because I trust you, Colin. If you if you send me topics and you you, you don't have one in there, <laughs> I'm assuming you have a good reason for it. Um, so that just goes uh, no to show my trust. Um, yeah, no good reason for that. I, I love this trade, quite frankly. Um, I, you and I have already kind of talked about it and debated about how good it actually makes the Suns. And the reality is, like, even though they have acquired Chris Paul, who is coming off of an All NBA season with the Thunder. I don't think this guarantees them a spot in the playoffs in the Western Conference. But when you look at a team like the Suns, who haven't made the playoffs in what feels like an eternity, um, you know, they're, they're riding this momentum off of the seeding games when they went 8 0 and almost made it into the playoffs. Devin Booker appears to have made that jump into kind of all star and superstar status. Um, DeAndre Ayton. Last season didn't get off to a good start for him. I think it's fair to say that. But, you know, he, 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 he's a promising player. And I think if you surround those two guys with a proven leader in Chris Paul who can kind of take this team to a next level, show them what it takes to win, um, get them into the playoffs, get Devin Booker that playoff experience, and potentially contribute in a high level for a couple more seasons, to me it's a no-brainer. Um, especially, you know, even with all that in mind, I think he actually fits in really nicely next to Devin Booker um, because he can take some pressure off of him as a playmaker. And Devin Booker is a great off-ball scorer. Um, Ricky Rubio kind of unlocked that part of his game last year. And I think Chris Paul is just going to kind of carry the torch in that regard um, and potentially open up that part of his game even more. And Chris Paul has a ton of experience playing with really talented big men. Um, You know, you, you go back to David West and Tyson Chandler in New Orleans you go Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan in LA, um, and to, to kind of have that guy with that experience next to DeAndre Ayton, who, look, he's not Luka Doncic. Um, Luka should have gone number one in that draft. DeAndre Ayton has the potential to be one of the best offensive centers in the league. I think that's fair to say as well. Um, you pair him with 
you know, one of the smartest point guards in NBA history, a guy who's going to, you know, run circles around teams and pick and roll, set him up for open shots, open dunks, open alley-oops. I think this Phoenix Suns team with Chris Paul has a ton of potential offensively. And then when you think of the pieces that they had to give up um, to get him, they're kind of still keeping that defensive nucleus, um, especially in Bridges, uh, to kind of still be a really good defensive team as well. So I think, you know, even though Chris Paul doesn't match up with the development timeline of DeAndre Aiden and Devin Booker, I think he's such a good on-court fit with them, and he does help this team take the next step that I just I just love this trade for them. Yeah, it is it is a great trade. And, and when you talk about Phoenix, they haven't made the playoffs since 20, uh, 2010. Uh, Alvin Gentry yeah, was the head coach yeah. there. They still had Amari Stoudemire. They still had Steve Nash. They had acquired Shaquille O'Neal to kind of change things uh, a little bit there. And poor Alvin Gentry, they, they, they bring him in to kind of succeed for, for Mike D'Antoni, uh, whose system didn't work. And then all of a sudden they say, oh, you know what? We're going to hit the rebuild uh, reset button. And they've been rebuilding since. You know, Gentry you know, gets relieved there. They bring in Lindsey Hunter. That's not the long-term scenario. Jeff Hornacek was a coach for a little while. That obviously didn't work out. Earl Watson was a coach for, for, for a minute there. And uh, that was a disaster. Then they hire Igor Kokoskov. And uh, everyone expected them to take Luka Doncic with the number one pick overall. They don't, they don't do that. They take Aiton, who's still a nice player, but he's not Luka Doncic. And they get rid of Kokoskov after one season. They now have Monty Williams, uh, you know, a coach that seems to be turning things around. And I think with Chris Paul, who, who's going to bring in, uh, you know, another level of uh, expectations in Phoenix, something that they haven't had for quite some time. It's going to force Devin Booker to, to, to bring the intensity that he brought in the bubble on a night-in, night-out basis. Same way with DeAndre Ayton. Uh, he's, he's going to demand more out of Mikel Bridges, who, who played really well last season. And Chris Paul himself is going to bring that level of intensity on a day-in, uh, night-out basis. So uh, I think it's a trade for even the long term. Even if they don't make the postseason this year, and I know they're paying Chris Paul a lot of money, but it, it, it is, it's worth it for the development of Devin Booker if you really want to reach the next level. Because this is a franchise, Scott, 52 seasons. They've only made the finals twice. And it, that that is not – I mean, that's not a good scenario. And, and even in their heyday in the early 2000s, when you were – I guess you were more interested with, uh, with the Suns and the, the run-and-gun style of Steve Nash, they only made the conference finals twice with D'Antoni there. Felt like they did a lot more winning. They just didn't. Um, so I, I – uh, for this franchise as a whole, it's going to turn things around and, and get fans in Phoenix excited again because that, that's a great fan base down there. It, it really is. It, they just haven't had a lot to cheer about over the last couple of years. Yeah, and I, I think that's this is the interesting thing about Chris Paul compared to Russell Westbrook, right, is that you have two guys who are in the back ends of their career on really bloated contracts, um, contracts that make them kind of difficult to trade for. But it's so much easier to talk yourself into Chris Paul just because the way that his game, like you, you can fit him into so many different ways onto a team. He can play off ball. He can play on ball. He's a really good defender. You don't have to worry about him in that regard. Whereas there's a lot more questions with Russell Westbrook. So I think just like you said, even considering his age and his contract, I think it just makes a lot of sense for them because the other thing too is that you, you need to show Devin Booker um, that you know, you're willing to do what it takes to make this team competitive and surround him with guys that he wants to play with and can kind of take the, continuously help this team take the next step. And it's also going to be important for him to get playoff experience. And again, just because they trade for Chris Paul, the West is so crazy that I still don't think there is a guarantee that this Suns team makes the playoffs next season. Um, but I also do think there is a good chance that they will, and that's going to be important for the next step for Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton.
yeah, Aiton and Booker, more so Booker, uh, is entering his sixth season. He was an all-star last year. we really kind of seen him take the maturity leap, but he hasn't played a meaningful game, really, outside of what we saw in the bubble. Uh, so this is going to be important for him to to get that experience. Aiton, to a lesser extent, he's still kind of figuring his way out in the NBA, but he's expected to take a leap this season. Uh, w- when you look at the – still in the West, um, smaller trade that kind of got you know, knocked off onto the radar – Robert Covington heads to the Portland Trailblazers, and it, it, that's a steal to me. Uh, what Portland gave up to get him in return, and Covington is exactly what the entire NBA is trying to get uh, as your quote unquote three and D guy. He's like the perfect prototype, a guy that could, you know even played some center in, in Houston when they traded Clint Capella. Uh, and I think he had some success there. Obviously, we didn't see him long term. He only played 22 games in the regular season for them. And then the playoff run, he, he, he was good. He was probably the reason why they beat Chris Paul and Yoka's Oklahoma City Thunder in the first round. Um, what's your thoughts on Rocco heading to the Trailblazers? Yeah, it, it's a good pickup for him. Um, you know, he's going to start at power forward for them. I'm guessing he's um, he's a bit of a streaky three point shooter, but again, he's a guy who's going to shoot them in high volume, and that has a lot of value. He's a guy who can get hot, and he's one of the best help defenders in the league. A guy who can play the passing lanes. He he can protect the rim a little bit. Um, like you said, he played some center in Houston, and although the Blazers have Nurkic at center, there's a chance that they they can play small ball lineups now. Um, you know, probably more than they thought they could last season. So I think it checks a lot of boxes for them. Uh, he should slide in really nicely next to Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. The only thing for me is I'm just not that high in general on this Blazers team. Um, so while I really like them going after him, and I think it's what a worthwhile thing for them to do, I, I don't know how this re- this doesn't change my outlook on them a ton. Um, I, I know it does for you a little bit, right? Yeah, it definitely does. I, I think anytime you can add some, uh, you know, you can improve in areas where you were lacking, that should just make your team better. And the Portland Trailblazers were lacking in two areas last season. One was health. That They couldn't really do anything about that. Uh, you know, there's some of their key players missed a you know, portion of the season. They weren't able to really see what the roster could do. And when they kind of got healthy, we saw them get hot in the bubble and also really kind of try to convince a lot of people, not us, but a lot of people that they could make a run in the postseason fortunately for them they ran into the nba champions um i I think any other matchup maybe they would they probably would have been a little bit more successful i think the lakers are just the worst matchup possible for them in the playoffs so the one thing that they struggle with the other thing that they struggle with all season long was uh was defense and robert covington as you said one of the best off ball defenders in the league uh, I said he's a 3 and D guy. He's a weird 3 and D guy because his on-ball defense still, uh, I think the jury's still out on that, but he's still better than you know what Trevor Ariza is at this stage in his career. And yep. for a straight-off swap like that uh, to get Covington, uh, who, who, is, who does have super value in this league, and, and, and really, as you said, he's a, th- a, sh- a streaky three-point shooter, but you can't leave him. And the Blazers, you know, with Dame Lillard spacing the floor, McCollum spacing the floor, and, the, and they're one of the few teams that play a traditional quote-unquote big man in Nurkic he's going to need space to operate inside and you add Covington now onto the floor instead of Zach Collins that's going to give him more space and and more one-on-one opportunities uh to to try and dominate in the interior and they missed that last year they didn't have you know Whiteside who had a great season by his standards of course it was a contract year of course he was going to give you that he he wasn't going to give you what Nurkic was giving you offensively uh, on a consistent Mm -hmm. basis And, and Nurkic can do that now with more space around him and now it gives you the straight up swap for Zach Collins 
Allins on on the uh, you know in the second unit for for Nurkic, so you have two big on the floor all the time. Health is going to be the key thing in Portland because over the last two seasons they've really struggled with that. And uh, who knows what happens with Rodney Hood? I, I know he he's also coming off an Achilles injury, and he did opt out of. I'm still scratching my head why he would opt out of six million, but maybe he has bigger plans. Season to the future better than we do. If he does decide to stay in Portland, um, that's still you know a good situation for him because he can come off the bench with Gary Trent, and they have some pieces. They were just missing a guy that they can say, you know what. Rocco, go out and guard the best player on the other team because you know, and that will allow to you know Dame and CJ to kind of sit back a little bit and not have to you know worry so much defensively. And I, I think that's what was missing from this team a season ago because they really didn't have that. I said Ariza, great defender in his prime, but he's not that anymore. I mean, he's essentially replacing Carmelo Anthony, right? Um, right, and he's not known for his defense. Like, no. there's no Dean Mello. No, exactly. I mean, you can run more of your offense. You can still run more of your offense through Melo at this age right now than you you can through Robert Covington. But I think, you know, with Nurkic being healthy, you don't need that as much from Melo next season. And you're right. Covington makes a lot more sense as a spot-up shooter who can kind of just space the floor for them and then get after it defensively and kind of bring them that edge they need. And that doesn't mean that Melo is not going to return, by the way. We have no idea what's going to go on with him. But I do think that kind of points to another interesting thing with this team is that they could probably use another wing or two um, to play at small forward or, or shooting guard or something like that, which they could address in free agency. So I do think you know that there might be more to more to come from them in that regard. Um, and this move, even though I do like it, I think it, it is a positive for them. Um, could make even more sense depending on kind of how things shake out over the next week or so. Do they have enough money to sign a, a Danilo Gallinari? Is is that what you're thinking, or or are they looking less than that? Well, that that's going to be what's interesting about free agency in general um, is that there's just so I feel like there's there's quite a few vets who are still at a really um, still playing at a really high level, but might be willing to go to a team for a discount just for an opportunity for whether it's one or two years, kind of play for a team and compete for a championship. So if it's if it's someone like that, if it, if it's you know Serge Ibaka is another name um, that's getting floated around as as some you know possibility for teams like the Lakers who only have. Um, like the mid-level exception to use on guys, um, you know, there is a possibility that that money every other year probably wouldn't be able to get you too much on in the free agent market. But this this year with it being so weird and everything, you could actually get a really good player. Um, so whether that is the Blazers, you know, making a move for someone or, or another team, that, that that's something to look for in free agency, um, which is, which is going to start at the end of this week. Yeah, so many uh, interesting scenarios and so many attractive destinations really for free agents that are looking to jump on board and then win a situation, maybe help them get over the top. And still, by the way, Golden State is still a team that uh, I know not many people are talking about. They're going to be picking uh, second in the NBA draft tomorrow night at the time of recording this. And who knows what happens? Uh, they might be able to attract some free agents uh, like the like and that might want to play on a discount. Uh, speaking of the draft, give me uh, give me a couple things you're really interested in heading into the draft, which is uh, going down. Number one overall pick is held right now by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, everyone's saying it's either going to be Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, or James Wiseman. Do you see it playing out that way, or do you have another uh, scenario that uh, we may not be seeing? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to try and pretend like I know the draft better than everyone else because the reality <laughs> is I focus much more on, uh, I don't watch that much college basketball, so I kind of lean right. on the experts here and they all say that that's going to be the case. It's going to be those three at the top of the, those three at the top of the draft. So I, I kind of take their lead on that. Um, I will say, you know, I've watched a ton of highlights on these guys. 
Um, I spent a little bit more time looking at LaMelo Ball. I watched some of his games that he played last year in the NBL. You and I have, have talked about this probably way too much. And I think you being so out on LaMelo Ball has made me uh, more encouraged by him and more optimistic <laughs> about what he could do in the NBA. So I, I'm, you know, it, I can't wait to see where he goes and kind of what what he's able to do um, next season and beyond because he is such, a, such an interesting player. Um, the talent is undeniable. When I was watching the game, some of the games he played in the NBL, his passing really stood out to me. And you, you hear a lot with draft prospects, you know, like they have great vision, they're a really good passer, but he's a special passer. Like I, I completely buy that part of his game. He's, well, like a six foot seven point guard, essentially, a guy who's going to be able to get up and down the court. But obviously, the holes in his game are, are pretty worrying um, when, you know, a lot of people have said he was one of the worst defenders in the NBL last season. The jump shot is obviously a big concern, even though he, he kind of takes shots that you'd expect to see from guys like Steph Curry and Damian Lillard, whether it's step back threes or deep threes, he does not make them at a high percentage. Um, so there's definitely some parts of his game that are worrying, but th there's enough there for me to be intrigued. And I think, you know, all the draft people that I, I do trust um, seem pretty high on him and think he's going to potentially be the best player from this draft. So, so I'm definitely more optimistic about LaMelo Ball than you are. Anyone that thinks that this guy is going to be the best player from this draft class should probably you know, lose their job. It, that is outrageous to say that. He, he is not nowhere close to some of the well, skill level of some of the other draft picks. Uh, I, I, I would put you know, five picks, uh, you know, five guys over, off the top of my head over LaMelo Ball in terms of being uh, the best player in this class. Then he had Diva being one. Uh, you know, Anthony Edwards, I think, will be a better player. Uh, James Wiseman would be a better player. Uh, you know, Isaac Okoro have more value. I can go on about, you know, some different picks here or different prospects, but LaMelo Ball is not it. We can agree on his passing. His passing is elite, and that's what's, got, that's, that's what's getting him to the next level. It, it, every pro needs an elite skill, and I think passing is LaMelo Ball's elite skill. But that's where it ends. The, the dude can't get past, uh, you know, he doesn't have... Uh, <laughs> that's where you know, it ends. That's where it ends for me. Uh, <laughs> he, he doesn't have the handle to be able to create on his own uh, at a consistent level. And if, if he's struggling to create, you know, breaking down NBA, or sorry, NBL guys, he's going to struggle at the NBA level. There's no question about that. The jump shot, we, we, could, we don't have to go into that. Everyone knows that that is a, uh, a work in progress. Defense, again, I'm not going to crush him too hard for that because most rookies don't come in to the league and, and expect and expect to be lockdown defenders. So that's another work in progress. Shot selection is one that I, I really that's on him. Um, and he's never been in a situation where that has penalized him. He's now going to have to go through those growing pains in the NBA. The passing is excellent, and we can agree on that. But what team in their right mind is going to say to you know uh, their you know if you're a GM you're going to say to your head coach we're, we're taking this guy and you got to make sure that he has the ball in his hand so that he can you know deliver you know passes for everybody else that's that's the value that he has on the court and I don't know that your best choice is to put the value your your entire franchise in this guy's hands uh, at this young of an age it's going to take him time and I don't think in the first five picks you have you have the opportunity to wait on. Um, you know, his development, which is going to be lengthy, in my opinion. Yeah, you don't have to rebuttal to that. You don't have to rebuttal to that. We can, we can move on. We can move on because I feel like this is going to end up being a half an hour discussion between us <laughs> on, on the ball. And we can just, we can just save this going into the NBA season when we realize uh, what team he's going to be on. So, yeah, what, what do you have next? Yeah, uh, I mean, no. One thing I am looking forward to in in the draft is finding out where some of these international kids are going. Um, I, I think. 
you know, last year, or you know, we, we saw a run on for for us in, in Canada. We saw a run on Canadians mm-hmm. uh, being selected. Uh, there's going to be a lot of international prospects that have played pro basketball, have had pro experience, and with you know some of the freshmen coming out of college who had a truncated college season, it, maybe they might be a, you know a step behind some of these international kids who's who have had uh, you know pro experience under their belt. Um, and, and can you know um, you know say that you know that we have that resume to fall back on? Maybe does that open the eyes to some of these American prospects that are currently in high school to say you know what we'll do the Brandon Jennings, we'll do the Lamelo Ball, we'll do the R.J. Hampton and play a year overseas before we uh, get settled into the NBA. There's now the G League option. Uh, do, yep. do more players take that as a, as a scenario to get to the next level? I'm interested in seeing where these players land. And how they do in their first year in the NBA because there's not going to be a training camp, there's not going to be a summer league. They're going right into it, and you know maybe the pro experience there might help them a little bit more because uh, for some of these college kids, uh, that speed and that the physicality of the NBA, it's a leap, it's a jump. And if you can't experience that yourself, going through summer league, going through a full training camp, um, and, and the grind of traveling, I know travel is going to be down a little bit more this year, but the grind of what the NBA season is, not only your body. But mentally, uh, it's a different level, and uh, I think some of these guys that have played pro is is, is going to uh, th- we're going to see the the, the 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 scale tip in their favor a little bit, and and that might change the way we look at the draft going forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what happens to James Wiseman in particular when you when you kind of speak about that because he he played what three games in college last season. <laughs> um, so for a guy who basically just had a cup of tea in college um, essentially and is now going to be drafted potentially to a team like the Warriors, um, you know, and, and walk in and be expected to contribute immediately or, or help a team that's looking to win. Because um, even a team like the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? Like they have their eyes set on making the playoffs next season. Um, the Bulls at, at, at four or the Hornets, they could potentially be looking to make the playoffs um, at number eight, number eight and seven or eight in the Eastern Conference next season. So yeah, him in particular, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to him. And I think just the Warriors in general, um, because one, they have that number two pick. Um, and, you know, our, our Alex Novick wrote on NBA.com about kind of comparing this situation to the Warriors to the one that the Pistons found in two th- 2003 when they when they drafted Darko Milicic. Um, and, you know, if, if they could go back, they, they would absolutely change that pick. <laughs> so, you know, even though this Warriors team still has, you know, Steph, Clay, Draymond Green, um, Andrew Wiggins, who, who you're much higher on than pretty much anyone I know, um, <laughs> there, there is some pressure to, to kind of hit a home run with this pick. And also, you know, going back to Robert Covington, the Warriors have a trade exception that's going to run out soon. Um, and that could get them a player, not Robin Covington anymore, because I think he's just going to be off the market now that the Blazers have him, but that kind of player. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that would that would be perfect for them. So if, if they can kind of knock a home run out, knock out a home run with that as well, that, that would be huge for their title odds going into the season. No question about it. All right, quickly here before we wrap up, free agency begins on Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. That's Friday, the uh, November twentieth. What uh, I mean, we've seen player movement already by via trade. Um, do you expect it to be chaos come six p.m. Eastern time on Friday the twentieth? Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, the the thing is, we know what Anthony Davis is going to do, or mm-hmm. we're ninety nine percent sure what he's going to do. Um, Brandon Ingram, the same thing. I'd be shocked if you know the, the Pelicans didn't re- uh, match any offer sheet that he might sign for. Um, DeMar DeRozan picked up his player option. We already know what's going to happen to Bogdanovich. 
and there's a you know there's a possibility that guys like Goran Dragic just resign um, with Miami Heat. Serge Ibaka potentially resigns with the Raptors. Even Davis Bertans resigning with the Wizards. So it, it's really hard to know if there is actually going to be a lot of player movement. But the one player I'm fascinated to see what happens to is Fred VanVleet because I think one he's he's by far the best point guard in this free agent class. Two. I think there's a case to be made that he is the best free agent who's actually available when you eliminate Anthony Davis and Brandon Ingram. And while there's not a ton of teams that have cap space this offseason, there are two that do have cap space and they need a point guard. The, the, the Pistons and the Knicks. And if Fred Van Vliet is, you know, as determined as he said he was on JJ Redick's pod- podcast last week to kind of, you know, get his and cash out, um, It'll be interesting to see if he's, you know, if he's willing to leave the Raptors, who have proven to be a very competitive team, um, and potentially, you know, compete for a championship with them in the years to come, and, and carry the torch over from Kyle Lowry, or if he really is determined to to get maximize his money, which no one would criticize him for, but go to a situation in New York and Detroit where they're not, you know, necessarily built to win anytime soon. So for me, I I am very interested to see how Fred VanVleet handles free agency, kind of what teams go after him, what the Raptors offer him. Um, so he, he's he's the one guy in particular that I have my eye on. Yeah, I'm watching Fred VanVleet. I'm watching Montrez Harrell as well. Uh, and and we don't know what Gordon Hayward is going to do. His deadline comes up uh, probably an hour away from right now. While uh, we're quick recording. news, quick What's news that? on that because uh, there was actually some news going on as we were recording. I think it was ESPN's Zach Lowe tweeted that they are working on extending the deadline for Gordon Hayward actually um, until 5 p.m. on Thursday afternoon, which has some people thinking that um, something might be going on. So yeah, I was going to say I, I think that it will tell us a lot about Gordon Hayward. Um, you know, it, it, whether he opts in or opts out, um, I think something's happening there in in Boston. So he's one that I'm definitely keeping an eye on, and I think Davis Bertans uh, is going to fall through the cracks. A lot of people are looking at Gallinari and uh, you know Joe Harris, but I think Davis Bertans is going to end up, uh, you know, on the outside looking in and, and survey the situation. He's going to end up in a nice landing spot. He had an incredible season a year ago uh, and, and is really one of the underrated three point shooters in the league. He is going to end up somewhere really nice for him and, and, and make a uh, a big splash. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be right at six p.m. on 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 uh, Friday the twentieth, but. It will be around there. Um, he is something sneaky is happening there. I don't know if he's going to be with the Wizards still, but I, I think he's on the move. I mean, when you have a season that only like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and I think Duncan Robinson have ever done, which is what Bertans did this season when you combine his efficiency and volume, you're doing something right. Um, and that guy is 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 confident. He will shoot from basically a step <laughs> inside half court. Um, so it, it would be great to see him kind of not only get, you know, maximize his, his earnings after the season that he just had, but also, you know, be in a good situation. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's uh, it's going to be a fun week. It already has been so far, and we have the draft coming up for agency, and uh, we encourage you to check out NBA.com for all your latest news and notes around everything NBA-related. Uh, next week is Thanksgiving here in the United States. We will be uh, thankful for a little break and a little breather, but we'll be right back at it the following week, the beginning of December, December 1st, Tuesday, December 1st, 3 p.m. Eastern time right here across the NBA Global Networks. We're going to go LIV live. It's going to be the day before training camps open. We're surely going to have new faces in uh, new places uh, all across the NBA, and we'll have a little bit better of an idea 
of how things are shaping up as we get set to race towards the December 22nd start date in the NBA calendar. Short off season, but it's been plenty of fun. Enjoy Thanksgiving for our American listeners and to all those around the world. Enjoy the draft. Enjoy free agency. And we'll be back to tee things up December 1st, 3 p.m. Eastern time. For Scott Rafferty, I'm Carlin Gay. This is NBA Sound System.